All right. This is the fir- very first episode of the Men's Sexual Education Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about um, porn, all things porn, the history of it, the artistic form of it, its adaptation to modern society, and how it affects um, men's sexual health, um, the good parts of that, and the bad parts. And our guest today is Aisha Hussein. Um, she's a sex coach and author of the Pleasure Prophecy, and the founder of the Violet Cinema, um, which is in Brooklyn, New York. Um, we have our guest today, Aisha. Hi, Aisha. How are you doing today? Hi there. Oh, I'm doing so good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad to have you to be on the very first episode. Um, this is definitely um, new to me. Um, this was kind of called on to me to do um, just because um, I've grown to have a passion to learn about um, sex and men's health and um, trying to navigate through, you know, my own journey. And I hope, you know, this podcast can um, bring more men into the into that space and help them learn about themselves and their own bodies and um, how to become, you know, better partners overall um, um, with whoever they decide to be partners with. Um, So that's why I was, you know, really, really started. Um, this is completely out of my comfort zone. So men, if you feel like you're out of your comfort zone, this is, you know, really big for me. I've, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. I was dealing with it um, for a while leading up to this. Um, so it's definitely a breakthrough. And just to say, like, if I can do this and talk about it openly, anyone can, um, just because I know I put up a lot of barriers and I find it very hard for me to break those things down. So if I'm going and doing this, anybody can do it. So um, I hope this will become a resource for many, many people and um, we can all become, you know, better sexual beings because of it. Um, So today's topic is porn. So Aisha, um, what is porn and how did it really all start? So that's a really good question. Porn as a concept is uh, really as old as time. I mean, you, we talk about uh, sex work or prostitution. That was that's kind of deemed as the first uh, job that there ever was. Sex is a part of our history as humankind, as beings, animals. I mean, that you really can't get around it. Um, and so you know, we we see pornographic images, and and I will put that around quotes, because people really have a philosophical, artistic debate around what is porn. Uh, Some people really say that porn is something that's more shrewd, that it um, elicits something more than just eroticism. Personally, I don't really have that delineation. If it's something that's depicting people having sex, it's porn to me, because beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So people who are, um, you know, kind of fighting over what is erotic or erotic art versus porn is is really gonna be up to the individual. And porn has been around for as long as humans have been, you know, throwing paint at cave walls, you know? So um, it's really hard to say, porn has been around for a really, really long time. You can see it in all ancient civilizations, depictions of sexual natures. You talk about some of the oldest texts that can be fi- found from ancient civilizations, 
sex is talked about. There are pornographic pictures there too. So it's really as old as, as human civilization is. Uh, when we talk about modern day porn, what people would consider to be um, found in magazines or online, you can really start to, to look at that from a more modern context. And when uh, pornographic magazines started coming out, as soon as the print started coming out, uh, and really started in, in a bigger fashion. And we can name some of the really big ones, Hustler, Playboy, that started to make them right. available to a wider audience. Right. And those started 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, however, again, you can point to really ancient texts that have sure. pornographic images in them. So they've been around for a really long time. It's not a new thing. Humans have been obsessed with sex since the dawn of time. And um, then we have the advent of internet porn, which really changed the game again. Uh, of course, that came up with the invention of the internet and having uh, computers in the home. Um, and then right now we're going through a new wave of technology really changing the game again, where there's AR and VR porn. And we're seeing the rise of that um, in a similar fashion when technology is having a lower price point, people have the availability to go over and get things like these new oculuses that are coming out and experience VR porn. So the same way that we're experiencing that technology rise right now is the same way that it's risen in, in the past with more general masses of people having access to it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I never really thought about it in like, you know, um, that it went back all the way back to like ancient times and was put into, you know, ancient texts. Like for me, I would have always thought of porn as being, you know, something that you could flip through, you know, a magazine or, you know, something you watch on the internet or, you know, getting your first porn video at, for the first time at Blockbuster or something, you know, um, that's, that's where my mind was at. So I really appreciate you enlightening me and letting us know that, hey, like this is something, you know, that predates anything that you think, you know, in your modern society, um, any videos, any pictures or anything like that, um, um, like photography pictures anyway, um, um, it predates all of that. So um, that's really, really good to know. So um, that leads me into my next question. Um, what is the main differences between, you know, the mainstream porn that you find on Pornhub versus, you know, um, the artistic form that people would call, you know, erotica? Like what are, what would, you know, for you, I know for you, you said it's, you know, one in the same. Um, you would think, you know, anything is really, anybody that's you know being de depicted doing any sexual acts or being in the nude or anything like that um, really falls into the category of porn for you but if you had to make a distinction between porn and erotic art um, what would that distinction be so people can know the difference mm. because there's so yeah. there's because like even on social media and things of that nature like erotic art is you know, um, categorized differently and is an accepted form of art and can, you know, be allowed to be put on the social media airwaves. But once you involve anything like penetration or oral sex or anything like that, 
then it becomes like this taboo thing that, you know, needs to be censored and can't be on the internet for, you know, or on social media rather for anyone to see. You have to go to a special site to see that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when it comes to social media because we go back in time here and we, we go by the rules where they say the community decides what is not appropriate and what is appropriate. And it's very sticky situation with social media in general, because the community ends up being the people who own the companies. Right. And, and we know what particular view that they're looking from, which is a, a typically white hetero male cis point of view. And so what typically on social media gets decided as erotic art is women's bodies in a sexual fashion, no matter how it's done, right? There's an objectification right. aspect to that. Um, and so I think that's really important to note as we're moving into a society or we're trying to move into a society, or at least from my work and my perspective, moving into a society where we're being less, less sexually shameful, where we can see things as intercourse, as beautiful, as artistic. Um, and so the, the distinction that I'm really interested in is, is talking about the different kinds of places that you can go to and what those forms of art is or isn't. And so I think it's not really helpful for us to say, well, the things that get put on Pornhub blanket statement aren't art. Um, it's someone's expression either way. And I think having that as a mindset isn't necessarily helpful for us to all move forward in a less shameful context. Um, but what we typically refer to in the industry of Pornhub type of porn is called gonzo. And that means it's just, it's more like going to the movies and seeing a diehard movie versus going to an indie theater and watching, you know, a small maker create something. Right. Um, and that's kind of more of the distinction, right? There's no shame on either one. People like di the different things for different reasons and um, that it's all included under the umbrella of entertainment. And so I think that's a really important distinction. Uh, art in general is entertainment. It's meant to elicit an emotional response, a feedback loop. And porn in any kind of context is, is certainly doing that. Um, so, so Pornhub porn, and we typically refer to as gonzo porn. And then there's things that are made in the, in the indie film industry. And uh, that's typically the porn that I work with at my cinema. Um, the reason I work with that is because it's much easier for me to have insight into how those films are being made. What is the, the contracts and agreements around consent on screen? Typically indie films, you know, just as in the, uh, the entertainment industry, Indie films really carry a really strong narration. There's a creative viewpoint from the perspective of people are trying to do something new, right? When you're thinking about right. Marvel movies, there's a formula. People right. know that this formula works. And so they do the formula for the mass audience. When you go to the indie films, they're, they're trying something new most of the time. Also, one of my favorite things that happens in indie making of porn is that often a director or a casting director or a producer will pick one actor or actress and then they'll let the actor or actress choose the other people in the film with them. 
And so automatically that creates an amount of intimacy and trust and safety in that scene that you can really feel when you're watching right. it. Right. And so it's always about the interaction that's happening between the viewer and the art that's going on. And, you know, people go to different things for different reasons. And so I think that that is like a really important distinction of what are you looking for? What, what kind of feelings do you want to feel? Like personally, do I go to Pornhub? Fuck yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're just trying to get off. Right. And right. they have the formula down. They know right. exactly what that formula is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, I want to be taken into a very different world and I want to experience something new and I, I want to have the storyline. Right. Um, and so it's really about understanding what are you looking for? What are you trying right. to feel? And what's the experience that you want? What's the thing coming back to you? Right. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, uh, for me, um, I prefer indie porn, as you would you know, say, um, just because um, I do like to feel like there is, you know, some type of, you know, background and story. Um, it becomes a lot more intimate. Um, there's a sense of feeling and gratitude um, I get from watching something like that. Um, also, as a man, um, growing up, there was, you know, a lot of shame in watching porn and I felt like even in my you know um, adult life until this day um, sometimes um, after watching porn I feel guilty after you know watching Pornhub I feel guilty after but like whenever I did watch indie porn um, it was substantially less and if anything like I felt good after um, just because um, there was like more of less of, you know, from what I've been taught that guilt is coming from um, more so of that, like, I know all the things that comes along with Pornhub. Um, and I don't know if, um, if it's consensual porn or not, or if, you know, the, the actresses are getting, um, pay to their liking or if they're being exploited um, for any way and with smaller productions that are more indie um, you feel like you know the actresses and actors have much more control over the sexual experience it feels much more authentic um, and it doesn't feel forced in any way um, and I know you know porn is just like any cinema um, it's shot hundreds of times, if not thousands of times before they get it right. Um, but still, there's still a sense of authenticity and power behind indie porn versus, you know, the Pornhub mainstream porn that you would just find that, you know, like you said, um, it was just a means to, you know, a means to an end, and then you put it away, and that's it. And sometimes that comes with guilt and shame, because you don't know what really happened behind the scenes. But you don't know necessarily what's happening behind the scenes in the indie films, but there is a feeling and energy that, you know, the people are better taken care of there. So I don't feel, I feel much more satisfied after watching um, an indie film versus watching a mainstream Pornhub um, type of type of porn. So thank you for making that distinction. Um, 
Um, so that leads me into my next question. Um, how can porn viewership today um, affect men's health, um, both positively and negatively? Yeah, so, so they're both sides, right? Um, right? I think a big thing that comes up in that conversation is often porn addiction. And right now there's almost this big battle between is it a thing that can actually happen and is it a thing that isn't real? And to me, that's, it's much less important for it to be real or not real because it's someone's experience. Right. Technically, the medicine says that the science says that there is no such thing as porn addiction. And when we're talking about that, that means that our brains are not neurochemically wired for an addiction. And so when you're talking to scientists and people in the medical field, oftentimes they'll say it doesn't exist. And I do think that that's really important as a distinction for us to know that we are not neurochemically or biochemically wired to be addicted to this thing, which gives us more agency to take a step back and say, okay, this is actually habit forming. There's an emotional dependency that I have here, which for me, when I work with my clients is a big sense of taking power back, that it's not this, um, you know, my body has been physiologically wired to depend on this thing, that there is actually underlying things that we can look at that will help alleviate what they feel is an addiction. However, we can totally have a dependency that feels that way. And so it actually becomes a lot like having behaviors and setting new patterns, which is the same way that you, you override addiction with, that is neurochemically based. Right. So whether or not you know, it, it is or it isn't, the feeling that people have that they depend on this thing, the emotional whiplash they have when they go to do it and then feel guilty or anxious about it, um, can definitely be something that happens to people. I've had many clients come to me that we've worked through that kind of dependency. And what I always want people to understand is that our fantasies, porn or not, are our emotional needs bubbling to the surface. And porn is the reflection of those emotional needs back to us. And so it's always important to kind of sift through those things and understand what is it that I'm needing from this, from this fantasy? Why am I wanting this? So for example, I always bring up throat fucking. I am team throat fucking all day. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I look at it and I take a step back from that, I ask, why is that so arousing? Well, there are many things that are happening in our body. One, that when um, you know, anything is deep into our mouth, that's hitting the vagus nerve. And for vulva and vagina old owners, the vagus nerve is connected to the vagina and the vulva. And so oh, wow. it is almost directly connected to how much lubrication is happening. So you hit here in the back of the throat and the, the opening and the lubrication also happens um, in the vagina and the vulva. And so it is directly, there's like physiological reasons. However, when I take a step back, allowing someone to cut off the circulation and the breath takes a supreme amount of trust. Right. And sex 
is connection. So if we're getting to the point where I am trusting you to cut off my air circulation, that's highly arousing. And at the core of what we are is we are beings, you know, we can talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, trust and safety and security are at the base of everything that we do. And so that's not missing in sex. We just physically play that out. And so, you know, that's why things like choking can be so arousing to people, but you do that before you're safe and that feels really unsafe. So it's about looking at, yes, there are physical reasons why that thing is arousing, but there are also emotional needs that we are physically telling ourselves that we are getting. And, um, you know, underneath the things that come out on porn addiction are the emotional needs that are coming out, are the emotional aspects that are coming out. So if you flip that around and say, how can it be really good? Well, it can show us things that we are interested in and need emotionally that we didn't understand before. It can be a new way of connecting with ourselves. It can be a new way of exploration. Um, In my line of work, I work from the basic premise that sexual energy is creative energy. So anytime that we are being sexually aroused, and especially if you're watching indie porn where it is a creative expression of that sexual energy, the feedback loops can be really, really highly energizing. Um, And it can be a super good creative tool. I was doing um, a bit last year where before I would sit down to write, I would watch a a porn film and it would give me this big boost of energy and understanding and kind of connection. Um, So you can use it in really creative ways because sexual energy is creative energy. I do the same, by the way, whenever I feel like I'm about to get in the mood to do music or anything like that, you know, I rub one out real quick, <laughs> you know, and then I get it. And then like my mind is clear and I'm fully focused into here and now and getting like fully into, you know, my music thing. And usually the best stuff happens when I feel like there's a blockage there. I blocked creatively. I can't do anything creatively. Um, I don't feel motivated creatively. Um, so yeah, go ahead, continue. Yeah. I just wanted yeah, to relay that yeah. experience for sure. Absolutely. So it's just finding those things and working with them differently. And I think once you understand what's underneath all of that, it becomes less scary. Um, You know, I think when we don't understand things, when people don't understand why they're having this emotional like reaction to the porn, you know, we fear things that we don't get. And um, I think it's just about having the conversation so that we can understand more about what's going on. So, you know, for me, it's, it's less about is addiction real? Is addiction not real? Is porn good or is it bad? It, it's a tool. It's a tool just like anything else. And as, as long as we start to look at it like that, it's entertainment just like anything else. As long as we look at it like that, it loses its power to control us. And I right. think that that is the most important part. Right. Thank you. Thank you. That, that was greatly put. Um, and that leads me, you know, um, as is a tool, um, you can use porn in many different ways to enhance your own sexual experience, whether um, it's, you know, solo sex, masturbation, or you can even, you know, bring that um, into the bedroom with your partner. Um, 
Um, so how does porn, how can you bring porn um, into the bedroom with your partner and find out more about, you know, your own sexual needs and your partner's own sexual needs? And um, what is the healthiest way for the couples to go about exploring that? Yeah, I'd also like to add one in there, which is what I do for a living, gathering hundreds of strangers into a room to watch porn <laughs> together. Yeah. Um, I also think it's a fantastic way to get to understand people. You know, one of the first things that I ask people when I meet them is like, what do you put in the search bar when you're looking for porn? It tells you a lot about who they are, and it also opens up the conversation in a really beautiful way. But for couples who are interested in bringing uh, pornography into the bedroom, um, you know, I think it's really important to have a very honest and open conversation. Uh, I wrote an ebook on this because it tends to be something that people are really interested in doing. However, people are really nervous to bring it up. And so I think creating a safe container to have the conversation very honestly First and foremost, a thing about important conversations in sexuality or talking about sex with your partner is do not bring it up during sex. You need a neutral space to do that. It should not be when you're in the middle of a sexual interaction because so many things can get layered on top of that. Um, so my first and, and, you know, initial piece of advice to people is to always make sure that you are being forthright, tell your partner, hey, there's this thing I'm interested in trying out sexually or in the bedroom, maybe I'm a little nervous about it, but I'd like to have a, a chance to talk, and then create a time with your partner or your partners to have that conversation that is safe for everyone. So everyone's coming to the table, knowing what they're going to talk about, and also feeling prepared. And so that's a really important aspect. Um, the second thing is really to choose something that is either supportive of the person who's asking. So let the person who's bringing the conversation to the table, choose something or choose something together. You know, maybe both of you have, it could really, it has a potential, huge potential. And I hear this all the time. One partner brings something up and then the other partner has been thinking about that too, but they just haven't been talking about it with each right. other. Right. So, you know, we have sometimes this assumption about hard conversations that they're gonna go the wrong way. However, there's just as likely that it will go the right way. And I hear a lot when partners open up that they actually have been thinking about similar things. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really suggest about being super honest and creating the safe container to talk about it. And then when you have the conversation, if it's a yes, you know, find a really good um, film that either you've seen in the past or maybe find one with your partner and, and decide on one together. You can bring the computer out or you know the magazine out and have make it an entire experience. Make it an entire experience to find something together and decide on it together. Um, you know, it's it's variety. It's a new thing, and most of the time, couples say to me, "This was really really exciting to do something new." So as long as you are involved from start to finish in the process, it makes people feel really included. And I think that um, that can sometimes be the thing that people react poorly to is feeling like they're left out. Yeah. 
And so as long as everyone feels included, it's usually a really good experience for most people. Now, there is a potential for your partner to say no. The most important thing in that scenario is that we respect people's boundaries. And most of the time when a boundary is really respected and really, really heard, it leaves space for both people to then have more conversations. But if someone says no, and then that boundary is pushed on, then it creates more problems. Right. From there, there's kind of a couple things that need to be done and a million scenarios that could happen. But if a boundary is expressed, it's really important not to push on it. And, and that's with porn, that's with anything. You know, a lot of people are experimenting with anal and butt stuff right now. If it's a no for your partner, respect the boundary. Right. Um, and, and, you know, if then kind of move from there. In those scenarios, I do highly suggest, you know, chatting with someone or, or having some support for someone who, um, you know, is really learned in the area. You can go to a coach, you can go to a therapist because uh, that mismatch of desires and boundaries, you know, it can be worked through. Um, you know, it can be talked about because also the other person feeling like they can't be the true expression of themselves can, can hurt a relationship as well. So there's a lot of complicated things that go into that. Um, however, you know, there's always, always, always to, to meet in the middle. There's always a way to find the common ground. For sure. And going on, you know, respecting those boundaries, um, as soon as, you know, like you said, um, soon as someone says no, definitely want to respect those boundaries, especially if you have, you know, a lot of love, you know, for that person. Um, and they are your partner and a, and a person that, you know, you want, you know, long term in your life, no matter how that looks like, whether, you know, you guys are in a monogamous relationship or polyamorous relationship, you know, that person's important to you. And you don't want to break that trust and trying to rebuild that trust um, over and over again especially something that is as vulnerable as sex. Um, you're exposing yourself in a way to another person that not many people get to see, um, showing a side of yourself that, you know, the everyday average Joe on the street is not gonna be able to see. Um, so the more you respect those boundaries and the more, you know, you show love for them for even, you know, putting up that boundary and um, showing them love because they put up that boundary, um, the more that can, you know, um, help them maybe later down the road, you know, feel even more trustworthy in you and want to experience more things sexually with you in a bed at a later time. But um, for you to, you know, respect those boundaries and show love and give space, you know, and have, you know, a sense of gratitude for that um, can really go a long way to make, you know, um, your relationship with that person much more fruitful and much more loving. And, much more, you know, sexually pleasing in bed, <laughs> because um, at the end of the day, um, for me, um, the best sex that I've ever had was with someone that I truly loved. I may not have been in love with them, um, but I know I did have an immense amount of love for them, and um, I wanted the best for them, and they wanted the best for me, and that really spills out um, when you do have sex with one another. Um, Absolutely. So, um, 
this kind of ties back into a previous question that I had, but it's kind of different. Um, so many of the mainstream porn that's being viewed um, is built around, you know, men getting off. It's meant for men to get off. Um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the mainstream um, viewership of porn. Um, the majority of the audience is men, so they're going to tailor it, you know, to that. Um, so I can see why. Um, but there's also a lot of penetration and um, and it makes it seem like the woman is having an orgasm when she's really not having an orgasm. Um, where can men go to view porn in a perspective um, of a woman um, mm -hmm. to see and learn more about the woman's body? So um, when they do um, have sex in bed, they're not viewing it in a, in the lens of the porn that they would normally watch. They would view it in the lens of how to actually pleasure a woman because all of the porn that, you know, I knew before I started my exploration was all about penetration and it was all, you know, getting the man off and whatever the man wanted, he got. And it wasn't really focused on the woman at all. The woman was more like a tool to get that done and nothing more. And I want to break that. That's part of the reason why I started this podcast is to not have that so much in the porn area or in sex education or in men's minds when they're trying to bring, you know, their own sexuality into the bedroom with whoever they decide to be their partner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my first suggestion would be to watch all kinds of porn. Um, and, and I mean, when I, when all kinds of porn, I mean to say, you know, different combinations of people, you know, if you're hetero, watch gay sex, either women or men or, you know, trans people, like watch different kinds of sex. I think that that's really important because what you get to learn and what you get to see is that there is a way that humans, gender regardless, experience sexual pleasure. And the more you venture out from the one, you know, formula of the thing, then you get to understand more ways that life is, right? right? Like if we're returning back to the Marvel movies, if all you watch is a Marvel movie and you start to think that your life is a comic book, right. you got a little bit of a problem, right? right. Yeah. So there, it's always about understanding, here's the context of which I'm viewing this from, you know, it comes from this perspective, here's the story that they're trying to tell. And I think anytime you get outside of that is gonna give you a new perspective. And then when you're talking about, okay, well, how do we view this from a different lens? It's just about going to different sites and following different creators. And you know, you can always watch a Martin Scorsese movie and it's gonna be from his perspective. So, you know, we all know all about the gangsters and all that stuff from Martin Scorsese's point of view. But if you wanna go and watch a different film, then you're gonna look at it from that director's point of view. So anytime you're watching from different creators, right? It's gonna be really different. Um, one of my suggestions is for people to find actors and actresses that they really like. And when I say really like, I mean, you wanna be their friend. You're interested in understanding who they are as a person. 
and then maybe go and find where else they create their art. Um, there are certain websites that people go to. Um, you know, Balesa is a free one. So I typically suggest that to people because when people are going from Pornhub, there's the extra addition of saying, okay, now you also have to pay for your porn. That becomes kind of a hurdle. Right. So my suggestion is you can go to Balesa. They have a lot of free porn that you can watch that um, it, it is doing a better job of having a different perspective of how things are come from. And one of those is also showing vulva owner pleasure. And, and so that means, you know, maybe it's more foreplay or taking more time or just the way it looks when she's being pleasured. Um, it, it, it's really important to just see different kinds of acts happening. Uh, and then there's different websites, you know, there's, uh, you can also find a lot of your creators now on OnlyFans, you know, that's a really big place that people go. Um, there is uh, X Confessions, which is a, a personal favorite of mine. Um, I find that website, it has a lot of different content creators who come as guest directors to underneath this big umbrella. And some of my favorite directors and favorite performers are underneath that label. Um, there is, um, you know, a whole bunch of lists, which is usually not helpful to give off on a podcast because nobody ever goes and writes For them sure. down. We'll, we'll make sure to tag <laughs> anything that we mentioned. We'll tag it in the, in the, in the description. Yeah, and yeah. so. You know, there's many places that people can go more and more and more creators are giving, getting more and more spots. So yeah, it's kind of like, if you're interested in seeing something different, first and foremost, watch different combinations of humans. You know, if you're hetero, watch something uh, gay. If you're gay, watch something hetero. You know, everybody needs to understand and have compersion for everyone's different experiences. That's a thing that we can use porn for is to see humans as humans and being in their sexual pleasure. Um, that was always one of my favorite things at my events is that I don't have, you know, people at first were like, well, are you gonna have gay nights and hetero nights? And, and I was like, no, everyone needs to learn how to be in the same room and right. see different people experiencing pleasure because at the end of the day, it's a human experience. It's not right. different because you're gay or different because you're straight or any of those things. It's a human that would be, you know, sexual segregation in, in a way, you know, um, and that can be, you know, very, you know, problematic. The more we're ignorant about, you know, other people's sexual needs and desires, the more we find it to be taboo. And we're in, you know, the predicament that we are now with, you know, um, people not being accepting of other people's sexual desires and needs. And um, we're trying to break through that barrier now. So, um, um just like we were in the 60s, you know, with, you know, with race. So um, sex is the next big thing that we, we still have a huge issue with race, don't get me wrong. But sex is the next one that, you know, we definitely, you know, need to tackle simultaneously at the same time. So yeah, I, I agree. Go ahead, fin finish what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, just kind of going on that, you know, it's, um, it's really important, I think, to be able to understand about that experience. And it's, it's one of my favorite things that I do. Almost every single event I had a, a, a hetero cis male come up to me and say, you know, I've never seen gay porn before, but it was cool, you know, and that kind of response is really powerful for people. Right. Um, so I, I just, I think it's really important to just 
view something, you know, and if you have, if you are really uncomfortable, turn it off, don't cross your own boundaries, but ask yourself, you know, is this uncomfortable because I'm seeing something I'm not familiar with? What's happening? You know, ask the questions, get really curious. And, and it can be a really big window into understanding ourselves and, and the, the segregation and, and the things that we're doing to ourselves because of sexual preference. Right, right. Um, so um, next question is, um, actually, you you pretty much answered that in my last question. Um, so um, I was asking um, if there was, you know, any other porn sites um, that you could think of um, other than Pornhub that people could go to um, to view um, more quote unquote, you know, ethical sex, um, just because I've learned over the years that, you know, Pornhub has had um, a bad reputation in terms of a lot of revenge porn being posted on there and taking a very, very long time for those videos to be taken down. Um, a lot of underage, you know, people um, start, you know, get into the mix with that. And it's not until several lawsuits are filed that those videos are taken down as well. And that can also take a very long time before Pornhub, you know, does any acts on doing that. Um, do you have any suggestions in terms of where anyone can go to quote, you know, view ethical porn? Yeah, so I, I have a whole list on my website. Um, but some of my favorite ones are Aorta Films. Uh, tongue twister. Aorta Films. Um, also, you know, I'm going to mention Valesa again. I think that they do a really good job of, of the free option just to be able to get people understanding like what is this world that they can see. Um, X Confessions is a really big one for me. Four Chambers is another one. Um, so I, yeah, on my website, I have a huge list that people could go and see. Um, but there's, there's, worlds and worlds and worlds and worlds and so and my audience know you what's what's your website so we can all view it afterwards and i'll tag it you know in the description below as well yeah it's smutty s-m-u-t-t-y hussein h-u-s-s-a-i-n.com so okay. yeah, i have a few different um links to things and, and things that people can find to help in this manner and a list of the, the porn sites is a big one. So there's so many different ones. And again, I highly suggest finding an actor or actress you like and, and following that person. You know, they'll create stuff on their own. They'll do all kinds of things. Um, so that's a big suggestion from me. Okay. And um, how do you feel um, about OnlyFans? There's been a huge influx, you know, of people, you know, flocking to that. Um, I don't believe OnlyFans was created to be um, a porn site of sorts. I think it was meant to be for all creatives to be, you know, showcasing um, their tools and being able to have a subscription-based, you know, following um, attached to that. But it quickly turned into um, porn. And I know there are some creatives on there still, you know, artists, um, you know, musicians, DJs and stuff that still, you know, do their stuff on there. But we think of OnlyFans now as, you know, as a porn site. When I think of OnlyFans anyway, I think of it as a porn site. Um, um, how do you feel about that migration and how um, porn actors and actresses, you know, are taking 
control of the content that is out there and being their own producers and makers of their own films and photos and stuff. Um, I know, you know, you're really big um, into porn, you know, you hold so many seminars and stuff. So um, how does that feel um, to know that, you know, all these people are empowering themselves in that way? I mean, I think it's fucking awesome. Anytime yeah. I think that artists are actually given for their work um, and, and can be supported in that way is, is amazing. I think, uh, changing the consumer psychology about how we interact you know, my degree is in fashion so a lot of the psychology behind how we buy how we consume why we consume is really fascinating to me and so um i really think it's a good idea that that, that the consumer psychology is changing that people are getting used to paying for art in a different way uh, and especially of, with the content creators being able to create content for themselves and own that content for themselves versus having to go to a studio and signing away their rights. You know, it's allowed so many people to be safe within their home, especially thinking about COVID and, and making the money that way. And again, I'll go back to the very beginning of our conversation where sex work was the first job. Right. You know, um, being able to do this in a way where people are owning their own sexuality and their own body and uh, asking for their worth is so empowering and a, a movement in the right direction. Well, 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 I want to thank you for coming on to the show today. I really, really appreciate having you. Um, Make sure, you know, you let everyone know where they can find you on your social media. Um, you already mentioned your website, but if you want to, you know, let anybody know where they can find your Instagram, if you have a Twitter, um, Facebook, things of that nature, you know, go ahead and feel free to uh, let everyone know. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. And if anyone is interested in getting in touch, you can find me on Smutty Hussein on Instagram. That's S-M-U-T-T-Y-H-U-S-S-A-I-N on Instagram. Um, and that I also love a good email. I feel like people don't email each other as much when they're doing a one-on-one -on -one reach out, but sex is really nuanced. It can be really uncomfortable. So if you want to email me and feel like you're talking to a real person, I'm so for that. I'm so for that. On my email list all the time, I like ask the question and then I'm like, fucking email me and answer the question. <laughs> I want to know what you're thinking. Um, and awesome. I'm so dead ass about that. So you can get me at smuddyhussein at gmail.com. Um, if you want to, want to talk to somebody on the other side, I do. I'm also pretty good at answering Instagrams. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important to have a human to talk to you on the other side of this very nuanced sure. taboo thing. And I will vouch for you. I've had quite a lot of conversations <laughs> with you over the past, you know, um, few months while I was trying to get everything up and rolling and you have helped me immensely. Um, um, just the way I view, you know, sex and porn and you know um everything you've really changed my whole perspective um and i love um the way you articulate everything um it's super warm it's super loving you you know you make us feel you know super comfortable in our own skin and um it's just very refreshing um and i highly 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 recommend having a conversation 
with Aisha. She is amazing. Hit her up. Do everything <laughs> you need to do. You know, ask her anything. She will try her best to answer. Um, and she will give you the best advice. If she doesn't know, she will point you in the right, the right direction to people who will know. So um, big kudos to you. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate having you. Oh, thank you so much. And you did such a fucking good job. I, everyone he is like being so for real about where he is right now. And it is so true. He is stepping out across his edges and doing the thing. So like be with him on this process. And I'm so excited for you. And I cannot wait to hear more of the episodes and the people that you're bringing on. Thank you for creating the space. It's so needed. I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm just trying, you know, a little bit here and there and just trying to chip away at these barriers and my own barriers and the societal barriers. And hopefully we can all create, you know, a big enough community to finally break down that wall and we can all be loving sexual beings all together as one happy family. Fuck yeah. yeah. So it is. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right, Aisha, you have a beautiful rest of your night and um, I will talk to you soon, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.